George Orwell's book 1984 book summary, Winston Smith is a low-ranking member of the ruling party in London, in the nation of Oceania. Everywhere Winston goes, even his own home, the party watches him through telescreens, everywhere he looks he sees the face of the party's seemingly omniscient leader, a figure known only as Big Brother. The party controls everything in Oceania, even the people's history and language. Currently, the party is forcing the implementation of an invented language called Newspeak, which attempts to prevent political rebellion by eliminating all words related to it. Even thinking rebellious thoughts is illegal. Such thought crime is, in fact, the worst of all crimes. As the novel opens, Winston feels frustrated by the oppression and rigid control of the party, which prohibits free thought, sex, and any expression of individuality. Winston dislikes the party and has illegally purchased a diary in which to write his criminal thoughts. He has also become fixated on a powerful party member named O'Brien, whom Winston believes is a secret member of the Brotherhood, the mysterious, legendary group that works to overthrow the party. Winston works in the Ministry of Truth, where he alters historical records to fit the needs of the party. He notices a co-worker, a beautiful dark-haired girl, staring at him, and worries that she is an informant who will turn him in for his thought crime. He is troubled by the party's control of history, the party claims that Oceania has always been allied with East Asia in a war against Eurasia, but Winston seems to recall a time when this was not true. The party also claims that Emmanuel Goldstein, the alleged leader of the Brotherhood, is the most dangerous man alive, but this does not seem plausible to Winston. Winston spends his evenings wandering through the poorest neighborhoods in London, where the proletarians, or paroles, live squalid lives, relatively free of party monitoring. One day, Winston receives a note from the dark-haired girl that reads I love you. She tells him her name, Julia, and they begin a covert affair, always on the lookout for signs of party monitoring. Eventually they rent a room above the second-hand store in the Prol district where Winston bought the diary. This relationship lasts for some time. Winston is sure that they will be caught and punished sooner or later, the fatalistic Winston knows that he has been doomed since he wrote his first diary entry, while Julia is more pragmatic and optimistic. As Winston's affair with Julia progresses, his hatred for the party grows more and more intense. At last, he receives the message that he has been waiting for, O'Brien wants to see him. Winston and Julia travel to O'Brien's luxurious apartment. As a member of the powerful inner party, Winston belongs to the outer party, O'Brien leads a life of luxury that Winston can only imagine. O'Brien confirms to Winston and Julia that, like them, he hates the party, and says that he works against it as a member of the Brotherhood. He indoctrinates Winston and Julia into the Brotherhood, and gives Winston a copy of Emmanuel Goldstein's book, The Manifesto of the Brotherhood. Winston reads the book, an amalgam of several forms of class-based 20th-century social theory, to Julia in the room above the store. Suddenly, soldiers barge in and seize them. Mr. Charrington, the proprietor of the store, is revealed as having been a member of the Thought Police all along. Torn away from Julia and taken to a place called the Ministry of Love, Winston finds that O'Brien, too, is a party spy who simply pretended to be a member of the Brotherhood in order to trap Winston into committing an open act of rebellion against the party. 
O'Brien spends months torturing and brainwashing Winston, who struggles to resist. At last, O'Brien sends him to the dreaded Room 101, the final destination for anyone who opposes the party. Here, O'Brien tells Winston that he will be forced to confront his worst fear. Throughout the novel, Winston has had recurring nightmares about rats. O'Brien now straps a cage full of rats onto Winston's head and prepares to allow the rats to eat his face. Winston snaps, pleading with O'Brien to do it to Julia, not to him. Giving up Julia is what O'Brien wanted from Winston all along. His spirit broken, Winston is released to the outside world. He meets Julia but no longer feels anything for her. He has accepted the party entirely and learned to love Big Brother. Will America become Americania in 2084? BBB, Big Brother Government, Brotherhood of Big Media, Newspeak, Big Box Business, Brotherhood, Big Money Control, Money Ticks, Big Tech, Video and Cell Phone Monitoring Privacy, Big Ministry of Health, Pharma, Big Unions, Proletariat Control, Big Ghettos, Proletariat Crime. Good morning. Uh, this is Jerry Rhodes coming to you with a podcast regarding the American Enterprise Party, a third party for balancing the American budget and reducing um, bad new deals and deficits. Uniparty politics is a disaster for objective thought. It's really embracing neo-communist philosophies and resulted in bad new deals. The current Uniparty uh, is a one-party Congress, gridlocked. There's two parties that have uh, knocked heads and at this point cannot uh, seem to resolve our biggest problems by calling them issues. They're really a transition to communism with no objective debate or resolution for Congress's enormous, and our country's enormous debt and irresponsible legislation that's being proposed at the present time. We cannot afford what we've obligated uh, America for, let alone uh, the Green New Deal and the other bad legislation that encumbers uh, the USA with enormous debt and deficits. Marxism states that democracy, especially multi-party democracy, is just too unruly. It's, it's like 18th century uh, and, and without enlightenment. For the modern tech era, it's out of date. Uh, a, fam a, fa a famous uh, author once wrote, democracy in America is the independent self-starting citizens who form so many non-governmental patriotic legislation for the betterment of all. What does that mean? It means that our current um, 
institutions no longer allowing our Constitution and uh, free enterprise society to work as it was designed. By updating the design with high-tech and institutions that no longer stand for work ethic and patriotism, uh, communism is, is coming into our society. Neo-communism. What is that? Well, that's where you have um, protests turning into riots and riots turning into a um, overthrow of the government, such as the French Revolution or the Chinese Revolution or the Russian Revolution or the Black Lives Revolution. Communism, communism promises replacing the rights of the individual with sharing of the risk and return equally for the greater good of the society, with a few having the authority to, to decide the distribution of the fruits of the labor of the many workers, equally and equitably for the greater good. The leaders having the authority to resolve any disagreements or curtail all debate for the collective benefit of the proletariat. I think uh, George Orwell has written of that in, in, a, in, a, in a prophetic way. It was called Animal Farm. And then he followed that up with 1984. If you haven't read them lately, reread them because we're moving in that direction. In conflict is a uniparty government where objective debate doesn't exist. It's only uh, using issues as a stall tactic, then reform, then task forces and committees. It is the CCP Inc., Chinese Communist Party's approach to control. China, Russia, communist philosophy with their Politburo has a uniparty government, such as we're now looking at. One mind, one controlling system that doesn't allow for risk-taking, independent thought, investment of time and effort for profit uh, of the individual. Failure isn't rewarded, while family is for procreation only. And the future is what Big Brother says it is, and the Brotherhood policies uh, are, the, are the applied to the proletariat. It is a temporary aura, aura of equality and equity that disappears with the loss of personal initiative when the many realize they have lost their freedom of thought and action. When the revolution results in a compromise of these values and the evolution of personal development stops, the perceived wealth disappears and the many fall into apathy and hopelessness uh, of some form of intoxication. Look at the fall of Rome. Look at the fall of Russia, East Germany, Venezuela, Vietnam, Cuba, and ultimately will happen to China. The shell shall be bare. The goods can't be delivered. 
the ships can't be unloaded, the trucks aren't available. All of those symptoms are now looking uh, our democracy in, in the face, in the face of fear, a pandemic utilized very much to, to uh, put in place a new political party who has progressive Bad New Deal thoughts to, to transition America to a neo-communist state. Does America really have a uniparty or am I just preaching to myself? With 27 blue states and 23 red states, we have a uniparty approach at every level of government as a control device not democracy. Add the federal government where the Democrats and the Republican parties both work to control both houses of Congress and the Supreme Court. It is the goal of each to control the Senate, the House, and have the presidency. It has happened to Obama. It happened with Trump. Our, our electorate at that point in time were, were I think, smart enough to disengage that that uniparty uh, situation. What has become the gang of 545 by adding a uniparty president for prevention of democratic debate? That's 100 senators, 435 House of Representatives, nine Supreme Court justices, and the president. Uh, it's to, it's uh, for the prevention of democratic debate and resolution, uh, never using objective decision-making. One of those primary uh, objective uh, considerations has to be the, our financial situation. The result is an opposition of two parties positioning their strategy to control not resolution of national and international problems solving and peacemaking. The only solution to this type of control is a swing vote third party, the American Enterprise Party, which is what I represent. I'm the founder and CEO of the American Enterprise Party. So what is capitalism and socialism, American style? Risk-taking is the driving force of our enterprises. The profit motive is pursued. The quality of family life is aspired. The work ethic is practiced. Advancement is inspirational. Ownership is investment of time, effort, and work. Happiness is fruitful, having a fruitful lifestyle. The very components of capitalism and socialism in a democracy that is the American dream the American Dream Society. Why then are these aspirations pitted against our humanity when it takes all to produce a successful enterprise? So this is proposing that capitalism and socialism are bedfellows. They work together every day in, the, in our enterprises. So why wouldn't we want a capitalistic and socialistic society working uh, in our enterprises prizes towards a 
successful uh, quality of life for all. The very components of capitalism and socialism in a democracy is the American dream society. Why then are these aspirations pitted against our humanity when it takes all to produce a successful enterprise? In other words, it takes both monetary capital and human capital to produce a successful enterprise. So our focus needs to be on the, the enterprise part, the great American enterprise, the greatest invention ever, uh, built on a platform of a constitution that has, has uh, resulted in some 25 amendments, continues to be amended to, to, to stay in touch with advancement of human knowledge and technology. The truth is that the capital needs to share in the wealth based uh, in the wealth based on the contribution of human capital, which is socialism that forms a peaceful coexistence culture. America has evolved into the very thing that stops communism in its tracks. The freedom is to fail and then get back up and start over again. We're the only country in the world that has a bankruptcy laws. Uh, so f freedom to fail and take a risk and start over is the most important brick in our foundation. It is the very connection that, all, that allows for uh, a peaceful environment envisioned in our Constitution. The more the debate of the balance of capitalism and socialism is the very strength of dialogue for political problem solving. The very underpinning of a democracy and constitutional government. It's said that you cannot have a true democracy without capitalism and socialism working together. The equation is reason minus religion and racism equals resolution. Reason meaning the individual happiness, health, and prosperity of our citizens, and resolution is democracy for the collective transformation of our culture that I'm calling humanism. Not all the other isms and the wokeisms and ism, 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 but humanism. I think you can probably make your own definition of humanism, but it's working together for the ultimate profit of our enterprises to continue the growth <coughs> of our free uh, enterprise-based country. What are the symptoms of a uh, country moving towards neo-communism? A gridlock Congress with no meaningful debate or resolution for insolvency and debt and deficits, unaffordable legislation and inaccurate forecasts on cost and benefit, a financially challenged budget that's never been balanced since World War II, deficits and excessive debt collapsing the USA economy, rulemaking without consensus, with a gridlock Congress, there's never consensus. With a swing vote, there would have to be the extremes pulled to the middle, middle and 
we don't have to argue over uh, who's right or wrong. We want to do what's right for the American enterprise and its citizens. Dilation or dilution of the rule of law, which has happened over the last year to year and a half, taking taking the authority away from the police and handing it to the rioters. We have money ticks over Democratic politics. You cannot get an office. You can't run for office unless you're a millionaire or a billionaire or have the backing of both. Uh, the loss of freedom, freedoms, freedom of speech, freedom of security, and, and to protect ourselves personally, civil rights, rule of law, liberty for all, health and welfare for all. Cooking of the budget and the books. Our books are on the cash basis for the country and for our states and legislative bodies, which doesn't report the financial condition at any level. So the country in, in, in totality is bankrupt. It is obligations far outreach its ability to repay them. And that's called bankruptcy. The states can go bankrupt, the cities, the counties, according to the, the interpretation of the Constitution, the federal government could never go broke. Well, it's there, it's broke. If we don't pay Chinese their interest and have a payback, they start taking over the collateral, which is our natural resources, our companies, our real estate. So, yes, we have a problem. It is a huge bubble. I call it a derivative bubble. The bubble we're sitting on is a speculative economy, a speculative uh, stock market and a speculative uh, uh, currency due to the Federal Reserve's capability of, of, of printing up um, treasury bills, treasury notes, and our treasury can print currency, which you know has no backing anymore. It doesn't have a gold backing or diamonds or silver or maybe rare earth. It has no backing, so it's a floating uh, bubble, and we're on the verge of seeing that bubble burst with the current uh, approach by the progressives that are now in control. Not using generally accepted accounting principles to report our condition uh, to our our constituencies uh, and to the rest of the world so they can maybe also start looking at themselves as as things really are. Authoritarian rule with oligarchy in charge. So that would be our 545 gridlocked Congress, Supreme Court, um, and the President. So, you know, this particular... Uh, episode was a, an outgrowth of further reading about uh, neo-communism and its uh, insidious takeover of the conscience of humanity. To battle that, we need to do the reverse 
which is base everything that we look at on the basis of humanism, not by race, color, creed, gender, or woke uh, policies. We need to look at, at them through the, the microscope of, of reality. So, until next time, this is Jerry Rhodes and the American Enterprise Party checking out. Goodbye. We have a one-party system that is destroying democracy. My opinions voiced on my podcasts are mine only for now. My goal is to solicit support for a third party to break the gridlock of a one-party pseudo-democracy that we now have. What do you mean one party, when we have two? In reality, if we had two effective parties the following would not be the symptoms and results of a uni-party system. 1. Lousy leadership. During the first pandemic since 1918 we have been led by fear mongers, so-called scientists and bureaucrats. 2. Fear is the leadership tactic for dumping a president and inserting a bureaucrat to manage a pandemic he more than likely initiated. 3. No productive debate, everything is an issue over what to do and who should lead. Therefore, there is no problem resolution plan or commitment. 4. No partisan plan of action for fighting the virus or the impact of shutting down our lifeblood economy. 5. An election won on the basis of saving everyone, not killing the enemy, the virus. President Trump, who was trying to lead, acquiesced to fearmongers. Without strong leadership this led to extremism taking over the fight. So, it became science. VP Pence who chose the task force, not medical experts on prevention or treatment of a disease. Then a so-called scientific strategy stepped up. The president was discarded when he stated the cure was worse than the illness and a bureaucratic task force took over, with the manic Governor Cuomo of New York as chief spokesperson. While, Vice President put a bureaucrat in charge of tactics. Enters Dr. Anthony Fauci as the expert on immune systems and coronaviruses, to be chief of scare tactics, like bending the undefined, unanalyzed virus curve, social distancing, masks and lockdown. The same strategy and tactics used for the 1918 pandemic, that didn't work nor did they in 2019, 2020, 2121, and now 2022. Instead, the logical approach would be a qualified leadership, of society, analyzing those who are the most vulnerable, triage, and target them first. For treatment by physicians. Second, those who are symptomatic or have underlying personal health conditions for treatment, therapeutics, by medical professionals to avoid hospitalizations. In triage, hospitalization would be the last alternative, not nursing homes, not ER, not scientists speculating on strategy, not politicians using scare tactics to destroy debate, or using an action plan for managing the war against fear. But fear prevailed. Worse yet a new president, dark horse Joseph R. Biden, wins a landslide election despite his not being his party's choice, but was the choice of Bernie Sanders, Stacey Abrahams and the squad working the mail-in ballots and neighborhood ballot boxes. Now we have a weak leader teaming up with a so-called scientist to run our $100 trillion derivative bubble economy, enterprise, and claim credit for a vaccine that discarded President Trump made happen. Then using the Sanders-slash-Biden manifesto reversing Trump's successful policies without regard for the consequences that only a new administration can cause. Using fear plans instead of leadership plans. Sure, the media and big-box business and governmental essential workers were backing the progressive campaign to transform America into a build-back bigger government. These well-paid workers, destroy-risk-taking Americans, who would have won the war on the pandemic by supporting therapeutics, until a vaccine was created in warp speed by Trump leadership. How can this happen in a two-party system? Where in the hell were the Republicans when they could have, 
should have and didn't support Trump's fight for re-election. Vice President Pence set Trump up with the selection of a bureaucratic task force to use fear tactics, that would kill the economy during the COVID-19 China virus crisis. If this is true, how do we solve the problem of gridlock and poor leadership? The solution is to protect Americans' freedoms built on free market enterprise values and principles of humanism. Currently, the enemy is, us. Enterprising Americans must be represented politically to nullify money ticks that blinds our liberties. We need leaders not money feeders, who call every problem an issue and every solution a new law. Now we are being led down the dystopian path, predicted by George Orwell's 1984, that was played out by Stalin, Mao Zedong, Hitler and other Marxists. Ironically, we are becoming more like China than China being like America. Since, the end of World War II our leadership has focused on the greater good, not the rights of individuals for pursing opportunities and happiness, using personal initiative. While the Great Society programs were supposed to protect our personal freedoms, but they create nothing but debt and fiscal disaster, is USA being divided and conquered? If yes, is it a culture war? A racist war? An economic war? A religious war? No. An identity war? A polar war? A political war? A war on debt and deficits? A war on free to choose? Yes. If there is a choice, who would you vote for, two-party gridlock or the American Enterprise Party, as the swing vote and the tiebreaker in Congress? Standing for fiscal accountability, opportunity for all races, creeds, genders, religions, providing leadership of the republic by privatizing healthcare, education with free enterprise, economic plans. Based on taxation for reduction of debt and deficits using policies for recovery of America's fiscal and financial stability with ongoing stability based on generally accepted accounting principles for budgeting and spending legislation at all levels of government. USA needs to be restored as the home of the free, the leader in the world for peaceful coexistence, the accountable and responsible keeper of the books. The leader for opportunity for all races, creeds, genders and religions. To clean up our cities and small underserved communities using opportunity zones and enterprise investment models. With the goal to balance all budgets, being used to upgrade our infrastructure, from wealth or reinvestment of individuals' net worth, replacing progressive taxation of adjusted gross income. Yes, it is time for the majority to pull the extremes towards the middle for accountable government. What are the threats to America's values? 1. Loss of freedom of speech and right to choose. Will the right to expression disappear with the use of fear for pandemics, immigrants, foreign influences and loss of privacy? Will the right to choose be controlled by an overreaching government? 2. Privacy threatened by violence, vulgarity in our social media and entertainment. Will social media become a government tool for control of values and resistance to controlled behavior? Will the president be a leader for the historical values or the change agent for tearing down our past? 3. China's control of our economy and GDP. Will America be able to take back the supply and manufacturing industries from the Asian autocracy? Will our leaders become more schooled in how to restore our standing in the world for trade and education? 4 federal and state unrecorded debt and deficit spending without constraint. Will government continue to run our fiscal affairs on borrowing from our competitors for the cash-in and cash-out basis or convert to the reality of generally accepted accounting principles and take back our supply lines? 5. Political gridlock with money dividing our democracy creating a woke culture. Will the majority ever be in sync with the minority when power and money are the risks and rewards? Will politics cease being money ticks for selecting our representatives that dictate our policies and procedures for excellence in performance but avoid responsibility for our poor performance? 6. Distortions of the impact of race, gender, religion, 
impact on the majority when it comes to beliefs and interpretation of our rule of law and constitution. Will our values be relegated to the greater good, as better than our individual freedoms and right to an earned share in the wealth of the nation? 7. Americans' unhealthy lifestyles and quality. Will our personal health mean more than our bank account? Will we internalize the privilege to have quality health care by taking personal responsibility for the cost of our own health, fitness and lifestyle? 8. Declining educational quality in curriculum and management of dwindling resources. Will quality of an education cover the three or SES, but more importantly, STEM for competing in the worldwide competition for jobs and standard of living?